When you acknowledge that you're depressed and you're a business owner, what does it mean to do the work? Hi, welcome to a conversation here on Business Mindset Mastery that I am really proud to be having with you. I'm your host, Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and leadership expert. You can find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And today we're diving into a follow-up question that resulted from the discussion I started with all of you a couple of weeks ago about the prevalence and reality that depression exists inside the business ownership space, that not all of the mood disruptions, the ups and downs, the worries and the fears can all be lumped into mindset because business owners are no exception to any rule out there. And given the percentage of people in our regular everyday population that struggle with anxiety and depression, business owners are going to be in that group. I think that a lot of times what happens in some of the messaging we see in the narrative about entrepreneurship and business ownership is that if we can just tick off all the boxes and have all of the things that we identify as a successful life and successful living, we will just be okay. And when that doesn't work, we're told we have a mindset problem. And I think this happens because there are a lot of untrained so-called professionals out there talking to people about mindset when actually all they're trying to do is be motivating or inspiring or a thought leader or a motivational speaker, but they actually don't have the training to back up their words. So if you're new to me and you don't know my history, I want to make sure you all know that I'm coming at you from a trained clinical perspective. I'm uh, over 20 years at this point, post master's degree. I have my clinical degree in social work. I owned a private therapy practice for 10 years, and I'm not doing this to kind of puff myself up, but I have to tell you that one of the things that bugs me the most sometimes when I'm on sales calls and people are talking to me about my work and what I do and how I serve People don't ask me my experience. They don't ask me how I've come to know what I've come to know. And I actually think that if we're going to have people mess with our heads, even if it's just in the vein of being motivating and inspiring, we should actually be asking these people how they got their experience and how they are the experts in this. So before I jump in as an expert to for a business owner who's currently struggling with depression, I just, for my own peace of mind, need to reiterate I've got my reps in. I know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to be able to solve this person's depression in a single podcast episode, but I have the the chops to be able to tell her where to go next. And that's probably unnecessary for most of you regular listeners, but it gives me peace of mind to say so. So let me dive into her question and I will find all of you on the other side. Heather. I listened to your podcast calling out depression as a real issue for many business owners twice, and I cried each time. I've shared it with so many people and have started conversations about whether or not we're really letting fear stand in our way, or if perhaps we're depressed or have been depressed. The stories coming back at me are humbling. I have to be honest with you, though. I tried the therapy route, and I was encouraged to be mindful, focus on self-care, sleep, pay attention to my breathing, 
and to journal my thoughts. That and a quarter will buy me a gumball, but it won't build a business. I think there are business owners like me who don't resonate with traditional therapy and thus find themselves seeking respite in shows like yours and in business books because they focus on what we do. You have talked about it on your show, that being a therapist didn't let you say or do the things you really thought could help and make a difference. So what are you leaving with us as options? We only tap the surface if we call it mindset, but if we acknowledge depression, how can journaling be the answer? Because P.S. How many mindset journals get produced every year and there's still shit tons of depression out there? What is a depressed business owner to do and what does action really look like? I so respect this question on so many levels, probably because you're in the choir that I'm preaching to a little bit, right? This idea that like, yes, business owners struggle with depression, aspiring professionals struggle with depression, and then they go and they find themselves a therapist. And the first thing that the therapist and most intake appointments say is, you know, let's just focus on our breathing. Let's just quiet your mind and take 10 deep breaths and, um, um, you know, get get you centered on where we begin or something like that. And I know that not every therapist is like that, but I've heard your description of those first sessions often enough to know that that stereotype exists for a reason. Now, the first thing that I'm going to sort of challenge people on is how have you gone about looking for a therapist? Because I, I, I can tell you the way it happened for me. I built my business. I had a waiting list. I practiced full-time. I had a waiting list nonstop for years. And the only marketing I ever did was through psychologytoday.com and I had a website. And the most of the people who are looking for therapy are going through some therapy listing and they're picking some name who accepts their insurance or they like that blurb or it seems good enough or they're close close enough to home or they're close enough to work and they're just picking these random names. I can't tell you how many times I got a client because they just picked on me randomly. They didn't pay attention to my description or how I advertised myself. They saw that I, you know, practiced in their town and they needed somebody right away and that's how they find them found me. What I would really encourage somebody who is struggling and suffering, be it with anxiety, be it with depression, a life situation, if you were deciding to hire a coach or a consultant or a therapist, I'm really encouraging people to give some thought to who they are as consumers, to the questions they ask, and to how much research they do about a person. Because we sometimes spend more time picking a restaurant on Yelp and reading 50 million reviews than we do picking our healthcare professionals. I know that that's true for me. Um, I picked my doctor because probably an availability and the listing of doctors that I was given. So I think that one of the things we could do is stop sort of ratting on therapists and as clients, be more discerning with who we're looking at. So what I would really like you to do, rather than being like, oh, all therapists are going to put me in a Zen garden and they're going to make me take my 10 deep breaths and do daily yoga and meditation, I would start to think about for yourself, what does good therapy look like? And what does good work look like? 
work because the reality is, is that given how so many different professionals are defining themselves and redefining themselves, the title ultimately doesn't matter because let's face it, if you're hiring me as a mindset and leadership consultant and you're reaching out to me because you heard me on the podcast, I can't promise you you're never going to quote unquote get therapy from me because that's my training. That's my lens. That's my perspective. But I don't stay in process. I always help people process and move to action. And I was similar to that as a therapist. I definitely self-restricted myself a little bit, but there was a style that was different than take 10 deep breaths and watch your way through it. So as a consumer, you have to get clear with yourself about what you're looking for, what is helpful for you, what approach resonates with you. Reading your letter, I'm going to tell you that if you want to look for therapy, this type of therapy that you're looking for is called cognitive behavioral therapy. It helps people understand the link between their thoughts and their feelings and their actions and helping them recognize that if they don't like the results of their thoughts and feelings and behaviors, that they can create new results by changing the way they move through the world. It's that That's an oversimplification of it, but that gives you the gist of it. So it's less to do with mindfulness. The mindfulness might be a part of it, but it's more to do with, you know, you were thinking this, you were feeling this, so you did that. What could you do instead? Or how could you have that conversation? Or what do you need to be doing differently? So the emphasis and the focus is on action. So I would start thinking about what are the qualities in addition to a specific buzzword like cognitive behavioral therapy or motivational, blah, blah, blah. What specific traits do you need a therapist, a coach, or a consultant to have? And be willing to have that conversation with the people you're considering. So the first thing I would say is in this day and age, if whoever you're looking at doesn't have a website, I wouldn't even bother hiring them because you want somebody who's able to stand up for themselves and their own business and their own work. Like sometimes you're going to be, you know, you're going to be finding an agency and you're going to find that that agency has seven different people working for them. Hopefully that agency has a profile of the different people, but not everybody's internet savvy in doing that. So when you have an intake call or session with somebody, you're going to say, I'd really like to get to know you. I've been around the block a couple of times and I need you to know who I am. Yes, I'm absolutely struggling with self-doubt or I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with ongoing sadness, but no, I don't need to deep breathe my way through it. I actually need lessons or I need exercises or I need to be able to tell you what I did and how I moved through a situation and have you give me your two cents back. Like you should be informing your professional about what they need to know about you so they can be successful. You want to advocate for yourself as a consumer. And I have to tell you, in all the years in the chair that I had, very few people did that. Most people let me run the show and let me work the way I needed to. And I only figured out that I wasn't helpful or they didn't like my bag of tea when they didn't come back. And that is, that's needless. And all that is, is a client who's uncomfortable having the hard conversation. So the first thing that I'm going to direct you to do is to ask the tough questions, get clear with what you, at least what you think you need, even if you've never done it before, 
for and be prepared to ask your provider, your coach, your consultant, your therapist, if they are able to work like that, if they agree with you, if they have buy-in into that. And then the next thing that I would start to think about is to remind you that relationships are a two-way street. And so many people, you know, like I just said, would come into my office, not really like what I had to say, would have some sort of reaction and they wouldn't talk to me about it. And yes, some of that is because of the power and control that exists in the room. They're hiring me as a professional, so it can be really hard to sort of challenge the expert and say, like, I don't know why you told me to do that. It doesn't really, you know, suit my style. But instead of going consultant and therapist shopping, you can say, you know what, like, I... I know that deep breathing and journaling, you know, really works for people. I've seen how big that section is in the bookstore and know that people make a killing on it. I have to tell you, I'm not a journaling kind of gal. I am more somebody who. And give the therapist an opportunity to set themselves up and to set you up for success. But the other thing that I have to tell you is that did some of those people leave my office because I wasn't their cup of tea? Of course. But did some of those people leave my office because I was telling them straight what they needed to do and they weren't ready to hear it? Because that is also very likely true. So part of this, what taking action is, is making sure and doing a gut check that you are really ready to confront these things. Because I can tell you that since I've worked with business owners, so many business owners want to leave their personal business at the door. They don't want to go there. When I ask them about their childhood or when I ask them how they grew up or when I ask them when they first experienced anxiety, worry, or fear, they look at me like, um, you know, I have two heads because how is that relevant to why they can't, you know, pitch themselves for a speaking gig? And why is that relevant to why they can't up-level or pivot their business? But in reality, that like the formations of like our stories, our thoughts, and our limiting beliefs, so much of them come from how we were raised and the things that happened to us in young adulthood. We absolutely have to do that work and be ready to do that work. So with the internet, you get to screen these people. You get to see how they self-describe themselves through their listings. You get to see how they advertise their point of view on their website. A lot of people will, in this day and age, will have a blog and you'll get to read their perspective that way. But you also don't want to be afraid to ask the question. And then the next thing is, is if we sort of shift this and move this away simply from go get a therapist, you did clearly ask me what action looks like. And so the first thing that I'm going to remind people is that when you are struggling with a mental illness or you were simply in a hard time or you're going through a divorce or you're going through like situate what I call like situational depression, where like it's a natural reaction to be disgruntled or dissatisfied or struggling because of everything you're managing in your life, the first thing that we have to remind you of is that that is your body going through a trauma. 
even if you haven't actively been abused, even if you haven't been through something horrific, when our regular everyday gets disrupted, it becomes traumatic on some level. And yes, there's absolutely a variant to that. So one of the things, what action looks like is making sure you're drinking plenty of water. And this sounds so hokey, and I can't even tell you how many times people would roll their eyes at me in my office, but like we get dehydrated when we are depressed and anxious. Our bodies slow down. Our bodies use more of our energy to do the regular everyday tasks. So we want to make sure we're fueling our body. We want to make sure we're eating good, nutrient-rich food. And what I always tell people is so long as you have your broccoli, I don't care if you also have your ice cream and your chocolate and, you know, like I, it doesn't mean only eat healthy, but it does mean give your body what it needs. And then do what you need to do to get regular sleep. And don't be surprised if you need more sleep than you normally do. If you've already, you know, if you've always gotten by on seven hours, you might be a 10 hour girl for a while, but you want to, you know, you want to make sure you are taking care of your body and not in that like preachy self-care way, but in the, okay, my body's going through a trauma. I'm going to give it what it needs way. And then the next thing I would start to think about for yourself is how has your life currently been built and designed that goes in direct opposition to how you've been feeling as a result of your depression or your anxiety? Because so often, because people don't think they should be depressed or there's nothing to really be depressed about or you know their anxiety is just something they have to live with and it's just something they have to suck up, so many people live lives that go sort of contraindicative of, you know, what depression causes. So, you know, you schedule yourself out for 11 hour work days and you, you push it and you grind and you hustle out and you get yourself out there because you don't think you should be changing your schedule because of your depression. But the reality is, is if you're not accommodating it, because let's face it, my friends, if we weren't talking about mental illness and cancer had suddenly hit your life, you would be making time for the chemotherapy appointments. You would be making time to, um, get extra rest. You would be making sure that you weren't vomiting after you took a medication before you went back to work. But so often we fail to validate our mental health struggles at the same level we value our physical health struggles. And what we really need to do is to make sure we're taking care of ourselves. And then, and, and that includes like looking at our schedule and looking what we're asking of ourselves and figuring out what needs to bend and where do we need, you know, where do we need to compromise and where do the compromises exist? And then, you know, kind of tied to that a little bit is to see what is it that given that we're feeling the way we're feeling, what would actually serve as a deposit to the system? What would help us feel like we were suffering a little bit less, like things just got a little bit easier? So that might mean that you're signing up for one of those meal prep services because absolutely you need nutrient-dense food. But no, you're not into menu planning right now because you have other things to do. Or maybe you're only going to work four days a week or you're going to take three planned mental health days. But if you can perceive the opportunities to ease your burden, it makes 
room for healing. It creates space for you to feel better and to act better and to do better for yourself. And then, you know, part of this too is not isolating yourself in a bubble. Like part of what action looks like is talking about it. And that doesn't mean you need to blast your homeless in a white van story to anybody and everybody who will listen and make yourself Instagram famous doing it. But it does mean talking to your tribe talking to your circle of people who know and love you and let them know that you're hurting. Let them know that you're struggling and allow them to be welcomed into that so they can support you, so they can be aware of you, so they can take some burden off you. And then, you know, the other piece to this is looking at, given that this is happening, because again, if this were cancer, we would be saying, given that cancer is happening, what in your business can you just kind to let go for a second of? What can you compromise on? What standards have you set that you don't need to be so rigid about? Where is there some wiggle room? And where can you indulge and take care of yourself and give yourself a little bit extra? Because part of this, you know, isn't just owning that you're depressed. Part of this is owning your recovery and taking control of your wellness. And, you know, getting help, accepting help, and taking action on the direction that you've received. You know, what I always say when somebody says, so what does doing the work like, look like? I always say it starts with a mirror. It starts with looking yourself in the eye, being honest about how you've been thinking and feeling, and asking yourself what you're willing to do to feel better and to commit to your wellness. That's what doing the work is. Doing the work isn't just simply going to work when you feel like crap. Doing the work isn't just not bothering or burdening other people with your problems. Doing the work doesn't count if you're showing up on time, doing all the things, but you're still miserable behind the scenes. Doing the work means recognizing and owning to yourself that you're hurting and struggling, getting a trained professional to help and guide you. And again, like I... I'm raising my hand here. If this is like, if this is what you're struggling with and you're running a business, then like, yes, we have to get you to a plan that, um, that can help you. And if I don't feel as though the distance approach can work for what you're currently struggling with, I'm really upfront with people about that because I do find value in um, sort of traditional therapy in the room with someone. And I do think that there's a risk sometimes when people reach out to me with where they're struggling to the online experience increasing that isolation. And I'm not looking to do that. But if you need to explore with me, whether or not I'm the right fit, whether or not this is something that I can help with, we can certainly connect and we can certainly have a call together and sort that out because I would much rather have that conversation than have you continue a story that like, you know, getting help isn't for you because everybody just blows sunshine and rainbows up your behind. But that in actuality, if you take ownership over what you're looking for, you're willing to ask the hard questions, you make sure that your need can get 
get met and you're aware of that, I think it sets you up for way more success. You know, and then the next piece, the other thing to this, which is kind of a tricky piece when it comes to action, is that the work doesn't end when the crisis part is over. Because typically what ends up happening is people go into a funk and they can't get out of bed for a couple of days and they're starting to see that their business is suffering. And then they call me and we work with them and I get them organized and we get them on the road. But the work doesn't end there because part of it is recognizing that you're going to need ongoing support. So making sure you don't only respond to the crisis, but that you're also taking care of the aftermath. That's another piece to the work. And then lastly, one of the things that I would say is make sure you're creating a couple of things for yourself. One is I would really like you to create something that's a little bit in the not too distant future that you're looking forward to. Something that's coming up, even if it's just a dinner at your favorite restaurant or a night on the couch with all of your shows on DVR. But what is something you can create for yourself to feel better? And then lastly, I want you to pay attention to the big picture, to get out of that like um, sort of feast or famine, fight or flight, black and white thinking around this and recognize that sometimes when it comes to mood issues, we're in it for the long game, that you're not going to feel better right away. But if you keep, you know, sort of accepting help, letting people know that you're struggling, investing in yourself and hiring help, I really believe you can find relief because you can take ownership over your healing and that will give you the healthiest sense of control possible. I really appreciate the time you allowed me in answering your question. Thank you so much for being one of the people who wrote in and and asked me about this. And I certainly hope that this conversation's helped. And to anybody listening, if you're hurting, suffering, struggling, and you need to get out of your own way, I am really happy to help. I may not be the right person for you, but we can certainly talk and find out whether or not I am together. Thank you so much for today. I really look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.